Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn and Chris Canty in with J. Will, joining you. Be part of the conversation, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, as we do take your calls throughout the show, various places, and you never know what question we're going to ask you, so be ready for it. And, and when we do ask you to answer a question, do me a favor and have an answer, have a take instead of, you know, I don't care, either one. All right. Yeah, you can't too. punt on the question. No, no, you have you to answer that. the question. Can't do that. Uh, so here's a question to ask, Jay, as we get back into the discussion of the NCAA tournament and the Final Four now. That is set. Is Gonzaga's that veteran team for the most part? Jalen Suggs is, is obviously the newcomer and the, the likely one and done. But you talked about it earlier in the show, the trend – of champions over the past couple of years that have been more of the veteran-type teams, older teams, teams that have had uh, players that are juniors, right, seniors even at some point. And Gonzaga certainly has that as well. That's a trend you can't ignore. And with the NBA not only having a G League that will start trying to attract high school players, and that as well, to to try to get high school players to play at the pro level, so now you're not – but the NBA also has talked about lowering the age again to 18, so now you can have the guys come right out of high school and play in the league. Does this kind of signify, sign, or are we overreacting to maybe that one-and-done era being over? Well, yeah, the one-and-done era is over. It's over now. You're, you're declaring it officially over. Yes. It, it, the days of seeing three or four star-studded freshmen on the same team, I think, are over. You're not going to see that. It, it, Check your mic. Is it on? Was I talking? Did you guys hear me? Um, It's it's over. It's over. So, you know, one of the things I look for now is, look, teams are retooling how they are building. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, look what happened this year with Duke basketball. Jalen Johnson opted out. Hold that thought, Jay, because we don't – no one can – your mic, unfortunately, is not on for some reason. So, we'll – well, yes, yeah, somehow, some way. Okay. So, so Chris, it's it's up to you then to pick up where Jay I left got off you. On I that. see. I see where Jay was going yeah. with it. I mean, he was talking about Jalen Johnson opting out from Duke, but I mean, if you look at it, the teams that have had the success, the teams that have had the long runs in the NCAA tournament, are more veteran laden teams, and that, I guess that makes a whole lot of sense because that level of continuity, that experience, is something that bodes well when it comes to tournament time. Like regular season play is one thing, but Alan, you know this when you start talking about the postseason. In any sport, the game changes a little bit, and a more experienced team is going to be more equipped to deal with that. There's no doubt about that. And, and really, in, the, in the, the, the best years of the college game, you had those dynasties, teams that have, you know, for a couple of years, you know, I always think of the Patrick Ewing-Georgetown teams, right? They got to the finals, what was it, three times? Yeah, they, they, won, they won the one championship. But still, it's like that's what made the game. You got to know players. Coaches had more time with them. You can obviously coach them up. You have their system. That's, I think, what makes Gonzaga so great is they all know where they're supposed to be. They all know everything about their system. And I I don't know if it changes the way you even recruit now. And I'm not sure. Is it the impact of the G League and them now being able to pay players? As as, uh, Mick Cronin did tell us about, like, there's one player that they lost that he had. Can you guys hear me now? Are we good? Now I got you. Okay. There you are. Jay's back. I don't know how I just go away. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, they lost one of their big-time recruits to the G League, even though he committed right. to UCLA beforehand. Yeah, he had a strong take on that on our show well, last week. So what I was getting back to my point is the reason why I believe one and done is, is over is because, I mean, look at 
the Jalen Johnson situation at Duke, right? Opted out because he wasn't receiving enough playing time. It felt like it was hurting his draft status. Mm -hmm. Guys are a lot more aware of that. And now you're wondering, okay, like all the teams that have won past championships are older teams, teams that have been around the block for a while. So you have even you have John Calipari. Him and I talk about this all the time. It's one of the most challenging years I think John Calipari's had in the history of his career. You have people at Kentucky that were saying, maybe we need a change. I'm like, you need a change no, from John Calipari? Yeah. Do you guys, have you guys no. forgotten how much he's done? Well, if you want to have the conversation about you believe he has, should have won more championships, fine. But like, don't try to knock the success he's had. But even John Calipari is changing the way he's recruiting. He's going into the transfer portal way more now than he ever has in his career because older players when they understand how to play. And plus, look, with all these different leagues, these different places going out there, you want guys who have been around the block. It's hard to get guys to mesh when they're only on campus. Like, think about it. Course load-wise for UCC, if you were coming to you or star-studded recruit, all you got to do is get by the first semester. That's it. You're taking four classes, right? And 12 you, credit hours. You can That's check all you out need. after always, that. I've always said that. You've, a lot of these guys, one semester of college. That's, it. That's really all it is. And you now just got to stay eligible. About, That's it. And now I'm worried about when you have three or four people in your ear telling you about what your draft status is, when you have financial advisors, when you have media managers that are trying to work with you and you have a bad game, well, you only took 13 shots. You, you should be taking 19 shots. What's going on with this coach? Hey, I know this guy's your teammate, but you deserve more shots from him. Your draft status is falling. That's a lot to manage when you got three or four of those guys on the same team and you're not winning at a high clip and people are telling them you need to make the best decision for yourself. It's hard to get the ear of players when everybody has their own individual run at stake. I hear where you're coming from, Jay, and, and we all know the more talented players always come with a little bit more maintenance. That being said, I'd rather have Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish. I know that didn't end well for Duke, but if you're a coach, I got to think that you would want to have the, the, the ability to have that built-in margin for error just because you have a supremely talented team. And the most talented players are going to be those guys that have, those, that have the ability to be one and done. So I, I just – from that perspective, I don't know that coaches are going to altogether abandon recruiting I, the top players in the country. I, I think it's a, it's a combination of things, CC. I think there will be a lot of options out there for players to earn. There, there will a lot be. faster if the NCAA can't keep up. Well, notice there, like will, J- there will be, but you said if the NCAA keep, can't keep up. And if you start reading the tea leaves, I mean, it seems like we're getting a lot of momentum toward players being able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. To what like, degree? And, and that's a fair point, but when we start talking about the best players in the sport, th- there's going to be an opportunity for them to be able to make some money in the interim, but then also to have the opportunity to grow their brand with the platform of college basketball, because that's not going away. So Jalen Suggs is the only freshman right now currently in the Final Four like as, as a high-end player, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, I hear what you're saying, that you'd rather have a star set of freshman team, but if I go through all the teams that have won championships the past four – like these are all veteran teams. This is where college basketball is skewing. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's skewing it in this direction. Like I just I don't think you're gonna have that. It's easy to say I'd rather have three or four of these guys until you have to do it. But that's I think Jay. What I what basis. I want to ask is this: is as, as Cece mentioned that that big three at Duke, you know, two years ago with with Zion and RJ uh, and Cam. Are we going to see those type of teams anymore? Because like Jalen Suggs chose Gonzaga. Like, for him to go there, I mean, this is a guy, he could have gone anywhere. I mean, yeah. He was obviously a fantastic player. He chooses to go there with a team that he sort of fits perfectly into. And I wonder, and Cade Cunningham 
where it goes to Oklahoma State, like another player where you know why could have gone anywhere because players don't need to go to big like blue blood programs and to be seen anymore. Of this, because right? of social media, I, I'm coming out of high school with hundreds of thousands of people that know who I am. Like already back yeah. in the day, you would go to a big school to build your profile, to build your image. Yeah. Well, that process has started so much earlier, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of these kids are coming into the NBA college scouts are like, watching AAU now. I already feel like yeah. I'm telling you, the dynamic's going to be different, right? Like. Duke was able to get a lot of followers because of, of Zion Williamson. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I, I've talked to high school kids where it's like, well, I got, you know, there's a kid named Mikey Williams. Oh, right? yeah. He, and Mikey Williams got yeah. multi-million followers on social yeah. media. Mikey Williams is probably looking at the situation by saying, oh, well, if I go to this school, I'm probably giving them more value, me going to their school, than them being happy that I'm coming. To, like, like yeah. I'm, they're he's, bringing, me. he's bringing yeah. them I'm bringing profile. them the value. Yeah. Like, yeah. the amount of media attention that you're going to get, the amount of – so – like, I don't know if you're going to see guys say, let's partner up to create that value as much anymore because it, it's a little bit more of a one-lane track for a lot of guys with the way they're thinking. Well, here's the one thing, and I get where you're coming from, Jay. I'm not talking about the individual school. What I'm talking about is the stage of college basketball on a whole because that's still the most visible platform that these prep players are going to have in order to advance their career. Like, you're not getting the same amount of eyeballs at the NBA Academy or any of these other um, – these other leagues that the NBA is trying like to, to establish. That, Go ahead, please, like please do, that. please do, because right. the game, but because the games that these guys are playing are all on national television. Let me ask you a question. I'm listening. This year in college basketball, mm. right? Who's the best player? Who's who's the player of the year in college basketball? Luca Garza. I, I'm just no. Iowa. This, is, this is real. Right? I, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. Luca Garza. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. if you're a casual fan, you don't really pay attention to college basketball until March Madness, right? So if you want to use March Madness as a launching platform to get recognized, right? Unless you're super – I mean, Zion Williamson, if you're taking Zion Williamson or, or Trey Young, okay. Like, those are anomalies because those guys, we're blasting them everywhere. Okay. But for a lot of guys, I don't know if you get a lot of the name recognition that you might think you would get going to a big-tier college program. Well, the games are on national television. That's all I'm saying. Like, even their regular season games and then going on to, into the tournament, like, those games are on national TV. So for some kids that are trying to continue to build their brand, maybe it makes sense to go that route and to have your games on TV where people can see you. I'm just saying there's, there's, a, there's a generation that's coming that doesn't watch the games, my man. They okay. watch the highlights. Okay. It's a big, it's, it's a big NBA topic, right? It, it, it's, it's a huge thing because I've seen Dame t- tweet about it where it's like, you know, people will come in for these slew of thoughts on the highlights that have come because – People have so much. People are inundated with so many other things happening right now that they don't have the time to actually sit there and watch the whole game. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. J. Will here with Alan Hahn and Chris Kenny. We're kicking it with J. Will. And we have a lot of guests on this show. And a lot of these guests have great accomplishments. I'm sitting with two gentlemen that have had great accomplishments in their career. But there's certain bios when you read them and you read them and you just you keep reading them. You marvel at them. So Brianna Stewart joins us right now. And just as I say Brianna Stewart, everybody probably just nods their head going, oh, yeah. Stewie. How about this resume? Four-time national champion, two-time WNBA champion, two-time WNBA finals MVP, the 2018 WNBA MVP, 
As I mentioned, did I say four-time NCAA champion? Because four times. Also, each year, most outstanding player. You're only there for four years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just batting 100. I mean, it's just like, I mean, talk about complete domination. I keep going. College National Player of the Year, three times. First-team All-American, of course, and then Olympic gold medalist. Accomplished so much. Might be one of the most accomplished athletes that I've ever talked to on the air. So, Brianna, thanks for joining us right now. We do appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You got it. And, and I hate to embarrass you by reading that resume, but I just felt like I needed to. <laughs> it was just something to me that was like, <laughs> no, wow. No, it's okay. Marveled at it. But when we talk about UConn getting back to the Final Four once again, that part isn't the surprise. The ending, however, of, of their game against Baylor. Yeah. A little bit of controversy about the fouls. Jay and I talked about it. We argued about it, whether or not it was a foul, whether it should have been called, was an official out of uh, out of position. What was your take when you saw that play? What was your initial reaction when you saw that play? Yeah, so my initial reaction, I actually saw so I'm in Russia right now, and I watched the game at 4 a.m. Like I set the alarm to wake up and watch the game because I knew it was going to be bigger than a, um Elite Eight game. It should have been a Final Four game. And – I feel like in live play, you didn't realize how much it was a foul until you saw it in slow-mo. Good point. But the refs let them play a ton in that game, and there was a a layup earlier, a few plays earlier, where Kristen Williams got fouled too, and they didn't call it. Um, And it's just, you can nitpick the whole thing, but it it was a foul. Brianna, I I just had one question, because I heard you say that you were in Russia. Does it still bother you that you need to go over to Russia to earn mm. the type of money that you're able to earn and that can't be supplemented at the WNBA level considering your resume and everything that you've achieved? Yeah, I mean, it. I guess it, it has its pros and cons. Like, obviously, very thankful to be over here in Russia and have them um, really appreciate us in mm, that kind of way and, and the, the ability that they're able to play, pay us more than in the WNBA. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it's it's tough, you know, when you go through these holidays with Easter coming up and not being able to be home and um, realizing that, you know, I'm trying to do as much as I can on the court and it still is not um, enough. But the WNBA is a work in progress. We are about to have our 25th season coming on uh, off of a new CBA and I'm excited for what's to come, but we, we still have a long way to go. Brianna, getting back to college basketball, last night Don Staley said after her win over Texas um, how proud she was to have the opportunity to be a part of making history in the Final Four for the first time, being able to have two black coaches in the women's Final Four. As somebody that's done so much for the sport, for, done so much for women's basketball, what does it mean to you to see that kind of representation on the biggest stage the game has to offer? Um, to see Adia and, and Dawn Staley both um, representing their, their schools and obviously representing uh, the black community, to be able to be on that stage, to be former pros, um, is something that's extremely um, exciting for, for what's to come. And I think that, you know, I've seen a quote from Adia saying that, you know, there needs to be form, more, more former WNBA players coaching in college basketball. And I hope that that pipeline really opens up. I hope that, you know, young kids are able to see that no matter if they're a player or, you know, what they look like, that they can be able to be a coach at the highest level possible. Um, So I think, you know, continuing to show a lot of the younger generation that their dreams are definitely possible. And I can't wait to watch both those games. 
We're talking with Brianna Stewart. And, and Brianna, you, you said something so far. Like, I'm going to be all over the map now with this interview because there's a couple of things you've said I want to, like, go back on um, that we've already discussed. So I, I appreciate, actually, the great insight you're providing. But, but one thing I wanted to ask if we're off of the WNBA point that Jay uh, just asked. So, so Paige Beckers is having, you know, just an all-time freshman season right now for UConn. Yeah. And and I believe it's Diana uh, Tarazi and um, was it Sue Bird also Sue that Bird, that believe yes. that she could be the number one pick in the draft if she were able, she was to come out and, and play in the league and and that's yeah. you know that brings us to another discussion we were just talking about one and dones on the men's side and how that could be over and all that stuff when when you watch Paige play do you look at her and believe like if if that was an opportunity for her that she easily again if it made sense that she could come out of college right now and play at the pro level. Absolutely. If she if she had the the opportunity to to be one and done, um, she could do it. And you know, it's I think it's cool to to even talk about this because it just goes to show how far women's basketball is going. You know, <clears throat> especially seeing a lot of these conversations on social media and things like that, and people are starting to question. You know, the way that um, the women's side works with the NCAA and the rules and the eligibility and all that. Um, so it's it's a great conversation to have. I do think that Paige would definitely go number one. I would be curious to see, like, if she would go. You know, that's a question that I'm curious to to kind of hear from her. Um, but maybe after the season, I don't think Coach will like like that question right now. <laughs> Not something he wants to talk about. Just so everybody knows, the league <laughs> rule is you have to be is it 22 years old, right? 22 to enter the draft. Yeah. Because between her and Caitlin Clark, yeah, it's like also. twenty-two after a certain date. Right, right. So if there's a rule that that prohibits uh, even if she wanted to go in. Now again, money-wise and everything else, it's not like the NBA where for a for a, a men's player, yeah. you know, you're looking at millions that are waiting for you to go into the NBA. It she makes can make a lot of money overseas sense. in but, conjunction with playing in the WNBA as well. Right, but but it, it's again, Brianna, what you said, it it's where the women's game is going. And and you said it at least to have these conversations, to have these debates on social media, to have former players like a Tarazi point that out and say, I, I think she'd be number one. I would invest in my future just like you would as an NBA team. I'd want to get a player like that, even if she's young, because you can develop her into your system. Is that at least not to sound patronizing at all? Is that at least uh, a good sign about how much, how far the women's game has come, that these are now legitimate debates that we have, conversations we have, and perhaps even putting some pressure on the league to change this rule? Definitely. I I think that these are great conversations to have. I think that, you know, it is putting pressure on the league. You know, I'm not sure how much they really like it, but (laughs) um, there there should be some flexibility and opportunity because, you know, coming back to, to the overseas lifestyle, you know, a lot of these players have been playing on these professional teams since they were 17, 18, 19. Um, so they have started playing pro earlier than, than us in America. Um, so I'm curious to see if, if that's going to change, obviously what's going to happen with the NIL. Uh, there's a lot going on with the NCAA and it's hopefully going to benefit a lot of these young women's women's basketball players that are, that are playing right now. Brianna, there was a lot of discrepancy between the workout facilities, between the men and the women's tournament to kick off the year and I, I said it on our show and in multiple platforms. I love the I love how players are now utilizing their platforms and social media to make these topics extremely relevant where there is fire that creates from that. How important has social media been to the storytelling for the women's game? It's 
been huge because I think social media just gives gives the opportunity for these stories to really spread like wild, excuse me, spread like wildfire. And when I first saw the discrepancy in the weight rooms, I thought it was a joke. Like, you know, when you, you're on stories and you're swiping and you see something quickly, it's like, all right, this doesn't make sense. But once I clicked on it and read it, I was like, wow, it's actually ridiculous, the, the difference between what the men received and, and what the women received. But I think we can probably all agree it's not shocking. You know, it's not shocking that they that they treated the, the woman side like that. Um, but now, you know, they they can't get away with anything. And these kids now, they're not afraid to kind of speak, speak their up, mind on yeah. social media. And, and they're letting the NCAA have it, which I'm I'm extremely proud of them. All right, Brianna, who's getting in the way of your Huskies finishing the drill? Oh, I don't know. I I think the final is going to be UConn-Stanford. Mm-hmm. I had to guess. Classic matchup, wouldn't Ooh. it be? Classic matchup. Brianna, this was this was a wonderful conversation. Continued uh, good luck and success for you overseas. Look forward to when you get back to and uh, and get back to work in the WNBA. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Stay safe, Stewie. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Brianna Stewart. I, that That's a conversation that I just felt we needed to have, and I'm glad you know she went there, too, about that. One but, of the baddest to ever play the oh, game of basketball. God. Dominated. Her Seriously. Yes. It's absolutely dominated her sport. No doubt about it. Hey, opening day is tomorrow, guys. And we're bringing our baseball expert in to explain simple math. Nobody told me that'd be <laughs> <laughs> Jay has this from DraftKings first. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. That's right. Baseball is back. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. Look, it's easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. With the millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code KJZ to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code KJZ to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. 
by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. You feel that? You feel it? You feel it? Weather's getting warmer. Mm-hmm. Boys of summer coming, coming north. <laughs> Where's the cold beer? Yeah, that means baseball. Opening day tomorrow, and who better to talk to than Jeff Passan about baseball and other things. And Jeff, can I ask you a question? Uh, like baseball, this is an obvious question, but play along. Baseball and math go hand in hand, right? Would you say like it is, it, it's, if you're good at math, you'll understand baseball really well. We need to. Uh, so something happened earlier in the show that I just want to bring back, and I just want to get your take on it when it comes to math because I thought there was something about when you bat a thousand, right? In baseball, that's a good thing. It means you're perfect, right? So I'm trying to mm-hmm. figure out where Absolutely. Jay Will, where Jay Will was going here when we were talking to Brianna Stewart. Just it was listen. a basketball and baseball <laughs> thing I combined. Just, just listen, okay? Just listen I caught to this. myself doing. Oh, you guys just, just listen to you this. Guys Jeff, I need your NCAA champion because it's four times. Damn it. Also, each year, most outstanding player. You're only there for four years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she's batting a hundred. She's batting a hundred. Got it. I said batting a hundred percent. I combined baseball <laughs> and basketball. Damn it, Jeff Passing. See the way they do me, Chris. Did you hear percent at all? I heard no. batting, yeah, batting, batting a hundred. Because you cut it off. It's just batting a hundred. I think it was batting a hundred. Yes. Yeah, watch that the whole clip play. <laughs> let the whole clip play. It's just batting a hundred. See. <laughs> Can I can I jump in here for a second? Anytime you want. How many hours? How how many hours is this show? Four. Thanks, Jeff. For four hours, Jay Williams has to go on radio and be perfect the entire time. He has to bat one thousand, hit one hundred percent, and one little moment, one little slip, and you guys are asking a guest to come on yes. and demean a man that he barely knows. I think you guys are incredibly rude, wrong, and OJ the apology as opposed to the other way around. Alan? Jay, 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 I don't know why you're clapping. That is Jeff Passon's passive-aggressive way of shading you. <laughs> no, you he, don't even real, he is shading <laughs> you. Jeff, you don't know Jeff. Yeah, I know, I'm telling you, I you don't like know, I know Jeff. Jeff. I listen to you him all don't know, the time. You don't know him like you think you know him. He's a regular on my show in New York City, <laughs> and I know when Jeff Passon is throwing shade, and that right there was Jeff Passon just throwing you, see, you see, some see, shade. I feel like you weren't even involved in this. This was more of an Alan Hahn, our production crew, setting me up. Not so I don't know why you're engaging in I this, I just CC. needed help with some math. That's, I was just curious when you said it. I was like, he's batting 100. It, it, it didn't make sense to me, and then now Jeff's calling me out for being a bad teammate. But that's all right because well, wouldn't Jeff it be the first sport. time, Alan Hahn? Well, wouldn't it be the first time oh, you've been a bad really? teammate. Oh, well, you know what? Maybe we asked you called Mike guy. Green old yesterday on Maybe our own show. Maybe we asked the wrong guy because in his sport, you know, three for ten is actually a good thing. Yeah, they put you in the Hall of Fame for that. Yeah, so maybe we asked the wrong guy about that kind of math. But anyway, we asking the right guy about certain baseball questions, Jeff. And again, thanks for being a good sport about all that. <laughs> Jeff joins us uh, on the Goodyear Hotline, by the way. KJZ, Alan Hahn, Chris Candy, and Jay Will. Batting 100, <laughs> which is not a good thing in baseball either. <laughs> but as we get closer to now, there's a deadline for Francisco Lindor and the Mets. Where do they stand there? And as Chris Kenny pointed out, how could he possibly turn down $325 million? To answer that last part, he can turn down $325 million because a guy who is less experienced uh, and, and far less productive than him just got $340 million. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, 
Granted, that's a 14-year contract, and granted, you know, Tatis is like the face of the sport at 22 years old now, but still, if you're Francisco Lindor and, and you're looking at this situation, you feel like, Everything is in your favor and all the leverage is on your side. You have an owner in Steve Cohen who is far and away the richest in Major League Baseball. You have an owner in Steve Cohen who said, I'm going to come in and spend. And he really hasn't spent all that much yet. You have a team in the New York Mets that's been dying for a guy like Francisco Lindor, someone who's got personality, someone who's got savoir faire, someone who's got swag, uh, is oozing drip to come in. And be the face of the franchise. That being said, Francisco Lindor does not have the numbers to back up a contract for 50 or 60 or however many million more he wants than 325. And if this is a negotiating ploy by him, turning down the 325 that he was offered by the Mets and trying to get them to move up by another 10 or 15 million dollars, Boy, he is playing a risky game right now. And if I'm Francisco Lindor in this moment and I want this contract to get done, I come down off my ask a little bit to show a little bit of good faith and to say to Steve Cohen, hey, I want to be here. You want me to be here. Let's add another year to your offer. Let's add $15 million to your offer. Let's get to 11 for 340 and let's sign that sucker and make me a Met for the rest of my life. Otherwise, he is running the risk of potentially taking this big deal that he's got right now for $325 million on the table and never seeing anything like that again unless he has a really good year. And even if he does have a really good year, guys, he's going to be going out into a free agent market that has significant competition, whether it's Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Javier Baez, all shortstops, all due to be free agents after the 2021 season. Well, Jeff, let's talk about this offseason because that leads me to this question about where does Francisco Lindor rank as, as somebody as a free agent this offseason? I mean, I know there are a lot of people in the industry who believe he's the top guy going into this offseason and that he would do really well in free agency if he were to reach that. I think there's an argument, especially if Corey Seager plays like he did this past season, like he did in the postseason when he won World Series MVP, like so many are expecting him to this year after he had a monster spring training, that he could go into the offseason as the number one free agent. I think there's an argument for Trevor Story, a player who defensively is near the same level, if not at the same level, as Francisco Lindor, who steals bases, who hits more home runs, uh, who has hit for a higher batting average. Granted, it's in Colorado, but he also plays shortstop. He's a little bit older, but not much. There's an argument that Trevor Story could be over Francisco Lindor. Carlos Correa, talent-wise, has been better than all of those guys. It's just been a matter of staying on the field for him, and he's had trouble doing that. And Javier Baez himself is an extraordinarily dynamic guy, better than Lindor defensively, has shown flashes with the bat where he's been a lot like him, sort of a lower-on-base guy, but someone with power. 
I don't think Francisco Lindor is ever going to end up fifth in this class, which also includes, by the way, Freddie Freeman, uh, which also uh, includes the possibility of Trevor Bauer opting out, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Justin Verlander, you know, veteran type pitchers. He's probably going to be number one in the class, but he's got some competition for that uh, valedictorian status if he does indeed pass up this extension offer from the Mets. Jeff, I want to switch over to the team in New York. You know I'm a Yankees fan, and when we lost in Game 7 of the ALCS in 2017, I was hurt, but I wasn't tripping too much just because I felt like my team was knocking on the door with title contention. A new manager, and three seasons later, we still hadn't been back to the World Series. So I got to ask you, how much pressure is on Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman in 2021? I mean, the thing is, they've been really good in 2018 and 19 and 20. It's not like Aaron Boone hasn't been bringing the best out from the the players inside of that clubhouse. There have been injuries, uh, especially the last couple of years, that have gotten in the way. And he's done, I think, an admirable job of managing around it. And, And, you know, I think sometimes we fall into the trap where we think because they're the New York Yankees that they don't abide by the rules that exist in the sport and that apply to everyone else. Those rules being, uh, if you make the playoffs, it is likelier than not, before it's all said and done, that you ain't going to win a ring. Uh, You know, you see some of the Oakland A's teams that have gone into the playoffs over the last decade and a half. They've been some of the best teams in baseball during the regular season. But the small sample size of the playoffs will doom them. And that's why pitching is as important as it is. You know, the Yankees are always going to hit. As long as they've got the the pieces and parts in this lineup that they do, they're going to score runs. comes down to pitching. It's why they brought Garrett Cole in, and it's why they're hoping someone like Corey Kluber or Jameson Tyon can turn into, uh, you know, a, a postseason stalwart for them. It's why they need to get Luis Severino back and why they have so many hopes and dreams about Domingo Herman and Jordan Montgomery. I mean, they've got the depth there right now where they can hope to find a couple of guys to go out and compliment Cole in October and let that bullpen, which has been such a strength in recent seasons, not get worn out during the regular season and go do its thing in October. And listen, I got the Yankees going to the World Series this year. It's as much by default as anything because I don't (laughs) think there's a great team in the American League. I think all the great teams in baseball right now are in the National League, and I think the Dodgers are going to stomp them when they get there, but uh, that's just because the Dodgers are ridiculous and are a a dynasty and juggernaut waiting to happen. Jeff, we're going to leave it right there. Enjoy opening day. Thanks for your time. Thanks for batting 100, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I I always try and keep it 100, fellas. (laughs) Thank you. Drop the mic. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance, and Jeff Passan joined us on the Goodyear Hotline. So if Zach Wilson made the throw of the pro day season, then what did we just see from Justin Fields? That comes up after Jay has this from Cintas. Today, people expect a new level of clean. Cintas provides a wide range of essential products and services that help businesses keep their facilities safe and employees safer. Clean 
excuse me, Centos will keep you well stocked with essential supplies like face masks, hand sanitizer, gloves, and thermometers. Centos will hygienically clean and deliver your uniforms. Centos also helps you protect employees and customers with first aid, safety supplies, and fire protection services. Centos helps you open your doors with confidence every day. Learn how Centos can help you keep your business clean and safe at Centos.com. Get Centos and get ready for the workday. Coming up this morning with Greeny, Baseball Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg, as Baseball Legends Week continues. Ryan Sandberg, this morning with Greeny at 11.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn, Chris Canty in with J. Will. And we are joined right now on the Goodyear Hotline by Matt Miller, ESPN's NFL Draft contributor. Stepping in with us now, we'll talk some pro day. And Matt, we all just got the chuckle out of the idea of the uh, the throw of the pro day season now we have a pro day season apparently I know for you it, <laughs> this is your favorite time of year it's what you do for a living but when we when we talk about the buzz that came out of Zach Wilson's pro day and even all the attention now on Alabama and Mac Jones and what he looked like and I was told overthrowing it means that's good he's got a strong arm but Justin Fields not getting as much love or as much buzz as as we talked about earlier Ohio State bias? Is there some issue that is about Justin Fields that people aren't nearly as excited about the other two? You know, I don't think that it's anything about Justin necessarily, guys. I think it's more that we're lazy and we look, we scout the helmet, <laughs> right? Which is like a big thing in my life. Scout the player, not the helmet. But what is everyone doing right now? They're looking at Justin Fields going, hey, remember that Dwayne Haskins guy at Ohio State? Wasn't good in the NFL. And we're, we're forgetting that they were actually coached by two different people, by the way. Ryan Day has coached Justin Fields. They're two very, very different people, and they're different types of quarterbacks. So I, I can't explain it. I've been doing my best to try to hype up Justin Fields. He is my number two quarterback in this class. Sorry, Zach Wilson. I, I love what Justin Fields brings to the table. Three years we've seen him play. We've never seen him lose a game in the Big Ten, and they play pretty good football up there. It's not the Mountain West. He ran a 4-4 yesterday at 230 pounds. And he's a great leader. I mean, to me, this is everything you want in a quarterback. It's, again, I think we're doing what we did to Deshaun Watson. When we're looking at, we're looking for problems with Justin Fields. That's what happened to Deshaun Watson. He was the third quarterback drafted. We did the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, coming out of Texas Tech, he's not ready for the NFL. He's not ready for the NFL. 
he looks pretty ready for the NFL to mm-hmm. me. So I think with Justin, we're just poking holes in a prospect, which happens every year to multiple players. We're poking those holes instead of just saying, hey, from Labor Day to New Year's Day, who is the best quarterback? Okay, Justin Fields was right there with Trevor Lawrence, and he should be getting a lot more credit for that right now. Matt, in the pre-draft process, we talk a lot about ceilings and floors of the top five quarterbacks in this class that project to go in the top half of the first round. Who's the quarterback that you have the most concerns about? Yeah, I think it is Zach Wilson. And you could look at Mac Jones and say, okay, he's never played without an all-world offensive line. He had four first-round wide receivers at one point in 2019. But my biggest concern is going to be Zach Wilson. We we can't explain why the jump for him from 2019, where he threw 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions, to 2020, when he threw 33 touchdowns to three interceptions. Is that jump because he figured things out? Is it because he got healthy? Or is it because they played, due to COVID, a really weak schedule? No one has the answer to that. We're all guessing. That's the part of the draft that's hard. We're we're guessing at why Zach Wilson got better. But I see that as, is he a one-year wonder? Is this a Mitchell Trubisky situation where a guy just got hot, the situation lined up perfectly for him, and he's actually not going to get better? I do like Zach Wilson. I was at his pro day Friday. It was a very good workout. He's a really nice young man. I think he has the potential to be a good quarterback. But if you're talking about risk factors, that one-year production against the weakest level of competition – Arguably, even compared to Trey Lance at North Dakota State, that weak competition, that should give people some some room for concern, I think. Matt, are you buying into the 49ers trading up from 12 to 3 to go after Mac Jones, or do you think that's a smokescreen? Oh, man. You, so I grew up a Niners fan, guys, so this is just hard for me right here because I still, <laughs> I still love the, the, the gold to red, right? I'm still like waiting for Jerry Rice to run a slant route for me. I, I am buying it. Too many smart people around the NFL will tell you, hey, there's something to this. And I don't think that many people are mean enough to just mess with me about it as a lifelong <laughs> Niners fan. So I, I do think there's something to Kyle Shanahan looking at Mac Jones, who there's a lot to like. There really is. He's accurate. He is a great leader. I mean, I was around him all week at the Senior Bowl. He's, a, he's just a fun person to be around. You like him. You gravitate toward him. And he is. He's incredibly smart. But I think what myself and a lot of other people are saying is the NFL is evolving. You have to be able to add a mobility element to your game. And I know – Mac Jones is not 43-year-old Tom Brady. He's more mobile than that. He's more mobile than Peyton Manning was back in the day. But you're not running a 4-4 like Justin Fields. You're not moving like Trey Lance. And I think when you look at the success in the NFL right now with the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, we can keep going down that list. The best quarterbacks in the NFL right now are athletic players outside of Tom Brady, who somehow we shouldn't even count him as far as how you compare someone to what prospects will be. But you look at Mac Jones, it's like, yeah, it was impressive at Alabama, but you're, his supporting cast in the NFL will be worse than he had at Alabama, guys. So he's going to have to <laughs> prove that he can elevate the talent around him, which is something that I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just something we've never actually seen him do. Matt, we can relate. I'm a Jets fan, and so I'm worried. I mean, I'm yeah, frozen sorry, with fear man. about what's going to happen. Yeah. Trubis- sorry, Trubisky? man, is definitely the thing you say right. to somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Jets fan. But it's great to talk to you, Matt. Yeah. Thanks so much for the insight, as always. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right. It's interesting that he did admit we scout the helmet. That is something that scouts end up doing. So maybe there is that bias against Justin Fields. We'll see certainly if it, if it carries over I'm going forward. I'm glad he forward. called it lazy, too. He's like, that's, yeah, that's lazy. It's clearly that, that is something that does happen, though, among scouts. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. But interesting also what he said about Zach Wilson, too. So much to yeah. unpack from that. But the NFL says full capacity in 2021. Would you be comfortable going to a game? Tell us next. KJZ, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app.